Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. We're certainly happy to have you here with us today. We have an amazing guest, Emily Lay. She is the founder of Simplified, a brand of planners and organizational tools for busy women. She's been featured in Forbes, Family Circle, Better Homes and Gardens, Glamour, Good Housekeeping. She's also a national best-selling author of many books, her latest of which is Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life You Love. She's an Enneagram 2, and we talk all things 2 today. We talk about her new journey in therapy, what does it mean to be a 2 and a leader in the corporate field, what does it mean to be a 2 at home with her family. We talk about the core struggle of the two that need to be liked. So we cover a lot of great ground here on this episode. We're really happy to have Emily with us, and we are happy to be able to share this interview with you, the Typology Tribe. I know you're going to enjoy this one, folks. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. So without any further ado, let's get on to this interview and our host, Ian Cron. Emily Lay. Enneagram 2, author of the new book, Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life You Love. Welcome to Typology. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we love having Enneagram 2s on the show, the helpers. I like the um, the signifier, the befrienders. Mm, I love that Ooh, one. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because mm. you all are better at making friends, faster at making friends than any other number on the Enneagram. Isn't that funny? You know, when my kids get out of the car every morning to go to school, I tell them to be includers and make friends with everybody. So it's mm. funny that you say that because it, it is always like top of mind for me. Oh, yeah. You could run a master class on interpersonal relationships and dynamics. <laughs> for and also sure. worrying about if everyone's okay. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And what needs have I left unmet today? That's right. Yeah. Right. That's me every night at like 2.30. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, one of the things that uh, we, we say about Enneagram 2s is that their fundamental desire, the really the uh, unconscious motivation of the two is a need to be liked. I mean, I used, to, I used to think it was something else, and I made it much more flowery and gilded, but I've really just come down to, nah, they just want to be liked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that. And you... It's funny, you leave every conversation thinking like, well, let's analyze every word of that. How did it go? And how was it perceived? And did mm. I represent myself well? And yeah, mm. pretty spot on. What were you like in high school? Was being liked, uh, I mean, I guess for every high school kid has some preoccupation sure. with being liked and accepted, but I do think twos feel it more acutely than others. So, I mean, has yeah. being liked ever been a tyranny in your life? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would say definitely in high school, but I, so I'm a two with like a really strong three wing. And so I'm the overachieving two. So mm. I don't want you to just like me. Mm. I want you to think I've got it all together. Oh, um, Perfectionism runs real strong in these things. Okay. Strong. All right. So uh, do you know what your subtype is? Oh, no. How do I find that out? Oh, yummy. Ooh. <laughs> <That'd be fun. laughs> oh, that's, del that's delicious. <laughs> yeah, so there are three subtypes of every type, and it's based on what's called a dominant instinct or a primary instinct. It's one of the survival instincts. So there, there, you could be a self-preservation to, a social to, or a self-preservation to. And I won't go into uh, a description of each of those twos, but it would give you an even clearer picture of your type. So think about, you know your basic type, that's great. But then you know your type of the wing and you get a clearer picture of your yeah. particular type. And then when you know your subtype, it gets really so much clearer. 
I know what I'm doing as soon as this is over. I got to find out. <laughs> okay, there you go. And I can actually point you in the direction of some really good resources. But it sounds to me like possibly, I, again, so don't take this as you know me doing anything except shooting in the dark. Uh, it's possible you're a social two. And the reason I say that is social twos... You know, there's a stereotype of twos. They're huggers, they're kissers, they're just friends. Mm-hmm. They make cookies, mm-hmm. yep, right? Yep. Some of that's gender stereotyped and, you know, right. et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, some of the most ambitious, driven people I know are Enneagram twos. Isn't that funny? I, you know, I always question my type. In fact, I've taken the test multiple times thinking I'm definitely a one or I'm definitely a three. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm a, a wholehearted two, but maybe that's the subtype coming out a little bit very well could be and so i encourage you to go the best resource for that is really um uh, beatrice chestnut's book the complete enneagram oh and uh so i always encourage people who are trying to learn subtypes to check out beatrice's work because the road back to you uh was just a primer right it's just a just like okay here's the enneagram in basic terms right Mm-hmm. And when you want to dig deeper, I think that's the, the next book to kind of, you know, put your nose into and, and kind of get some of the deeper teaching about it. Um, yeah. All right. So, you know, the Enneagram, when you first study it, is not very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's it's a it, it really challenges actually our own self-image like how we perceive ourselves and it it kind of throws a rock into the mirror at first you know and it can sting and one of the things that stings twos is this idea that um their deadly sin or passion is pride Mm -hmm. how does that hit you that pride is your deadly sin um i kind of want to say no it's not but uh, that's only because that's my defense mechanism. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I absolutely think that it is. Um, I, I wish that I had this in my hand so I could show it to you. But my husband and I, we've been married 13 years and he laughs all the time. The kids are in on it. They say that I need trophies for things. Like mm. if I make a really good meal or I plan a really great birthday party or whatever i'll be like did, did you like it was it, mm. was it good like i mm. need that reassurance yes. um and i think it is kind of a pride thing but we were on a um a trip and they bought a they bought a trophy a mickey mouse trophy that's like the big joke in our house when mom when mom needs the trophy they go get the trophy and they're like mom you did a great job we love you <laughs> <laughs> okay so what i call that is approval fishing Okay, yes. <laughs> right? It's approval fishing. And one of the things that twos do is they, they tend to expect kind of certain phrases or actions that signify a reciprocity of love. Yeah. In, in other words, I've expressed this love for you. I have met your needs. Can right. you please give me some verbal affirmation that tells me that you will reciprocate this love right. in kind, right. Right? right? So do you have any favorite things? Like some people will be like, Mom, I couldn't do it without you. Like that for some people is like a twos is a drug. Look at you. You're, you actually just, you just actually put your hand to your heart. You know, just, just the other day, um, I had this really, I had this an outpatient surgery thing. And so I was down and out for just a couple of days. Um, and my husband, he was so great, like such a good caretaker. And I was like, I don't think I've ever loved you more. And you know what he said after when I, I was all back up and at it, he said, um, you know what, Emily, like, yes, we held it together while you were out and while you were recovering, but, um, it's not the same, like without you doing what you do and, um, getting the house together and like having everything prepared for us. Like we survived cause you did all that, but it's just, it wasn't the same as when you're, you know, up and at it. And I was like, beaming, <laughs> like that, that was the nicest thing you could have ever said to me to just feel appreciated, feel loved, feel, um, hmm. appreciated. Hmm. Is that a two thing? Like, just oh my gosh, feel oh, yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Well, yeah, and to be clear, you know, which of us, you know, who of us doesn't want to feel appreciated yeah. and approved and loved and affirmed? However, for the two, they actually, uh, when they're not very self-aware and they haven't done any personal work, yeah. right? They actually derive their whole sense of identity Ooh. from that 
from the affirmation, the recognition of their having uh, met the needs of others and cared for them in, in a way that no other, and have met, have actually anticipated and fulfilled the needs of the other. Like yeah. that just makes a two field dynamite. Now it's the strategy to get their needs met, right? Well, right. actually, yes, it's actually the, the serving of others mm-hmm. is a strategy for getting liked. Yeah. But, so but for in, winning it, approval. If I, if I had to say like the, one of the biggest arguments that my husband and I have other than my son's haircut, which is like a, always an argument, um, <laughs> how we cut his hair. Other than that, it's like this idea of scorekeeping. Hmm. Like, well, I did X, Y, Z and, you didn't say X, Y, Z, or like, I did this and this and this, this weekend to take care of the house with the kids. Like, what'd you do? You know? And that to me, that's like dangerous territory. When, when we start to dip our toe into the, the scorekeeping stuff, I'm like, we just need to back up. Right. Yeah. So going back to this prideful piece of twos, because twos really struggle with this. Yeah. They, they usually are like, I don't really feel like I'm prideful at all. It's very hard for to get to get the deadly sin of the two as yeah. pride. Uh, yeah. it, it even stings more when you say there's a little bit of arrogance in it because the two thinks that they're more attuned to the needs of others than the than the person the other person is. Right? It's like, yeah. oh, I know what you need, and I not only do I know what you need more than you do, I actually know how to fix you, right? And take you care of you. Me. Yes. Right. I, I I don't. To me, I don't feel. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I want to deflect that. I, I very much know that about myself. Maybe, mm. maybe that has to do with uh, work I've done on my own, but, but I, I absolutely see that as a two thing. Um, wanting to feel like you are the master of knowing how to care for, especially as a mother, mm. especially as a mother. Right. Like I, I know exactly what you need. I want to I want to fix everything for everyone. I want to make sure the path forward for you is easy and bump free and clear of all the things. And we, we talk all the time about how Brian and I would love for our kids to have struggle free lives. But goodness knows we didn't we didn't grow from the, the non struggles. We grew from struggles growing up. So right. uh, I get that. I think it's a huge problem uh, in general for all mm-hmm. parents, but particularly a struggle for twos, yeah. uh, for nines, uh, but for different reasons, yeah. uh, sometimes sixes. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think, the, of course, the great danger is, is that a two can step in and so meet the needs of other people that they disempower them. Mm-hmm. And, and communicate to them that they are not capable of facing life's challenges without their help. Yes, that is so true. That is wanna, so true. We sure want to avoid that in parenting, right? Well, absolutely. Because then what, a, you know, one day when you're not there with them, uh, you know, holding their hand, what do they do? My kids, I have a 10-year-old little boy and um, our twins, we have twins that are six, boy, girl. And so we have one becoming a big kid and two that are in kindergarten. And I absolutely feel that, um, especially this last year, like with a lot of things being taken away and Mm -hmm. them facing different challenges. Like my son got, you know, text messaging on an iPad that I didn't intend for him to have for a very long time. And suddenly we were dealing with new challenges and hurt feelings and, and stuff like that. And it is hard as a, as a two to not want to step in and like steamroll and fix everything all the time and let them work through their things on their own. You know, my wife uh, has done a lot of work and she's a nine. And, you know, nines and twos have some strong similarities to each other, often confused. But she learned something uh, after really digging into the Enneagram and that was so helpful. Uh, And now when my kids struggle, she sometimes or very often will say, you know, I have faith that you know what to do in this situation. Ooh, that's good. Mm, that's really good. And, and in the past, for twos and nines, that's a very hard sentence to get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just to yeah. say, I, you know, I just have faith that, that you know how to face this challenge. And uh, and if you want to take it another step further, maybe, and, and I'm happy to support you, mm-hmm. but I'm, I think twos need to learn how to care about others rather than care for others. Mm. Mm, Gosh, that's, that's so good. good. Yeah. Right? And how empowering to a child to know that mom and dad believe in you and we trust you to make good choices and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll beat you if you don't. 
Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's understood. Yeah, that's another good message. I just want to make that very, very clear. (laughs) So talking about doing our work, uh, in in a moment, I want to get to your your new book and talk to you about your amazing uh, operation of helping women um, sort of live more fulfilled and uh, grace-filled lives. But um, are you in therapy right now? I am. Okay, yeah. so I, I love like, to ask. But like for the first time ever, and I've gone twice. Yeah. Wow, so we're getting you at the front end of wow, the journey. Oh, yeah. Right at the front end, okay. yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm a therapist, and I love to ask therapist questions. Therapist questions. <laughs> therapist. Trademark therapy, Therapy-ist questions. <laughs> um, so what was it that sent you into therapy? Anthony! Ian! My brother, what if I told you you could get high-quality, organic, and non-GMO groceries delivered to your door for a lot less than you're paying now and help out families in need? Now, that's something I'd want to know more about. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you. That's what I'm doing since I discovered Thrive Market. As a proud Thrive Market member, I get the products I love, and my paid membership provides a free membership for one low-income family. that is amazing. Right? And let me tell you this. I have ordered off their website, which, by the way, is very user-friendly. It's not at all like one of those websites where, you know, you feel like you just fell into some kind of (laughs) terrible technological labyrinth. Right. Right? They have the best selection of high-quality, healthy, and sustainable products online. Mm. Now, let me just tell you about one product I love that they have. Okay. Have you ever had Ourobora sparkling water? Oh, you know I have. It is so great. <laughs> Lavender cucumber, my fave. Oh, I like lemon, coconut lemongrass. Yes, so the, good. Right, herbal infused. I mean, it is so. So you're telling me Thrive has it? Thrive has it. Come on. It is amazing. We we got two cases of Ourobora sparkling water through Thrive Market two <laughs> days ago. Ooh. Love that stuff. I'm having some. Well, you're welcome. So I used to be also a, a Go Lean cereal guy. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Well, that's because I'm so healthy. But now mm-hmm. I eat organic coconut flake cereal from Thrive Market. Ooh, I like that. And the list goes on, my brother, <laughs> of amazing things, right? I got to try those. Changing my life. And guess what? What? Now they have two new membership options, a one-month membership for nine ninety-five a month or a 12-month membership for 5 bucks a month. 5 bucks a month. That's right. Build at $59.95. Wow. And as a special offer for Typology listeners, join Thrive Market today to get $20 off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com slash typology right that's thrive t-h-r-i-v-e market.com slash typology t-y-p-o-l-o-g-y to get the exclusive offer of twenty dollars off your first order and a free gift you can't get this offer anywhere else go to thrivemarket.com slash typology so what was it that sent you into therapy? Yeah. You know, I have always struggled with um, like the Enneagram three side of me Mm -hmm. that is just a real go-getter. Like Mm -hmm. I started my company back in 2008 with absolutely no money to put into it. I was working full-time, had a master's degree and a great job and I was working full-time, but I wanted something. I wanted to do work that like really filled me up and work that gave me the flexibility to be my own boss and set my own hours and that kind of thing. And I would stay up until three o'clock in the morning and working and love it and then go to work at my other job at six o'clock. And, and I would do that. I did that for years and years and years. And then had infant twins and was traveling all over the place for work and writing books. And I've reached a point in my career where I, and in my own health, like physical health, where I know that I have to back off. And I, uh, we recently promoted someone on on our team to become chief operating officer. So I, I'm at this crossroads and this transition in my, my life and my career where I love my job and I want to keep doing the things that I do but I have to learn how to get the foot off the gas Mm. and how to take care of um, the asset, if you will. And so 
that's what that's what got me into it. It was actually a, a friend of a friend who had dealt with something similar and was like, just go. It, you don't go to therapy to fix yourself. You you go so that you don't get to the place where you need to fix things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's for me, it's kind of a proactive, like I go to the dentist. So like, why not go and take care of my brain and my heart and um, kind of wor- work through some of these these feelings I have, like where I have to just constantly be fight or flight, you know, constantly pushing and constantly pushing and, and learn how to be still. That's hard for mm. me. And of course, you know that being still, particularly in solitude, is yeah. what is like perhaps the most important transformational piece of the two's journey. Oh, I, I mean, I could talk for hours about that. I, I wrote Growing Boldly literally alone in the dark, in my bedroom for four weeks. And then I took a solo trip for the first time in my whole life to a, to a place in Austin. And, and I was alone for six days and finished up the book. And it was one of the most transformative experiences because I have three kids and a husband and, you know, eight employees and just so many things going on. Um, you're right. It, it was the most filling up thing uh, that I've done. You know, I think part of the reason that twos uh, need to have a regular diet of solitude is because they derive so much of their identity from relationships with others. Mm, Uh, And and so when they're alone, they kind of have to face, and this can be painful at times on a retreat, for example, you had something to do. But if if I took you on a spiritual retreat and I said, no, we're not going to do anything mm. we're, we're just going to be with ourselves and kind of focus on the heart and and the spirit yeah. and try to figure out mm. some things and for the two where it gets really hard is number one they have to kind of face this discomfort that there's no one else here from whom i'm deriving mm-hmm. a sense of identity affirmation approval that i'm yeah. not getting this loop of positive feedback from and you know where i don't have anyone to help here except right. me and twos are really great at being attuned to the needs of others, mm-hmm. but out of touch with their own needs. Mm-hmm. So very true. I actually did go on a retreat about a month ago to a place called Canyon Ranch. In I know Canyon Ranch. It was, I'm I've wearing my Canyon Ranch shirt. No, you can't see it. Um, but I went there um, and, it, and it was that kind of an experience where I had, I was just there for three days, but it was three days of taking care of Emily and it felt very strange. <laughs> Exactly. It's mm. very hard. Self-care for a two, they feel guilty. Very. Oh, right? uh, to leave my family for three days and travel to Massachusetts. I live in Florida. Um, it, it, I'm getting more comfortable with it because it's not the first time I've done something like that. But it is. Uh, it takes me a couple hours to like, okay, everybody be good. Everybody got what they need. Everything's, the clothes are laid out. The lunch boxes are packed. Everyone knows where to go. Mm. Um, yeah. I have to say, though, if you're going to go on a tree, go to the Berkshires, go to Canyon Ranch. Go I to the th- Berkshires, yeah. <laughs> I, I have done it, and it feels pretty good. Pretty you good. Know? It, it really was amazing. I mean, I definitely came home feeling like I had taken a little time for myself, and that was a good thing. Yeah, that's a pretty special place. All right, Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life You Love. Yeah. I love that in your bio it says that you're on a mission to help other women. <laughs> Do the same, right? Which is uh, create a life that you love. Um, just tell us in brief, you know, quick flyby, what yeah. it is that you do and a little bit of what the book's about. Okay. So uh, I'm the founder of a company called Simplified. And there are nine of us on my team. And we make organizational tools and planners for busy women. So we have an online shop. And we also have products uh, in Walmart and Target and Office Depot and Staples. Um, it is a dream. It's so much fun. And I have the honor of writing books about the philosophies that we teach um, in terms of organization, automation, simplifying, and growing boldly. Was It's my fourth book, but it was the first time that I really shared the story mm. of like how we built something out of absolutely nothing, what makes it so different. Um, and it is you know, there's a lot of books out there about like hustle till it hurts and, you know, give up everything for your dream. And I wanted this to be the antithesis, the antithesis of that to talk through how to tactically do it, but also how to honor the seasons of work alongside the seasons of rest. Because I know from experience 
that it is not fun when you hit the wall. And so um, I think it's so important as entrepreneurs or as mothers or as, you know, whatever it is we're pursuing in our lives to honor both of those parts of things. So I also had the honor of sharing some stories outside of my own from women who have gone up against tragic, hard, impossible things and are really thriving. Mm. So, you know, I, uh, I've come to believe that productivity, which is now an industry, yeah. Right? I think productivity has become an idol in our culture. Oh, amen. Absolutely. Right. And the original idea, I guess, of productivity was, you know, become more efficient, organized, et cetera, so that you have margin yep. to do. The, but actually, for most people, that second half is not happening. <laughs> it's just, how do I get how do I get more busy? They just fill up whatever time they've saved using productivity tools mm -hmm. to do more work. Yeah. Do more things. And yeah. that's not the point. Yeah. yeah. It's like that story with the, the fisherman laying next to his boat and the other guy comes along and he says, why are you doing this? Like tells him all these ways he could have more boats and more men fishing so he could relax. And he's like, I'm doing that now. Right. <laughs> I, I share that story all the time when I speak in public and do yeah. things like that. It is, it is so exactly true. Yeah. And I think that's why I would simplify like, I always say the day I just own a planner company is a day I don't want to do this anymore because it's way too much work. Um, but we, we like walk alongside our customers. So they get coaching for 12 months for the life of their planner when they purchase and things like that. And we just spend so much time on resources and education and, and those kinds of things, because you can buy the productivity tools all you want and they can look pretty on your shelf or you can buy them and allow them to help you spin your life out of control, like you said, and fit more into the bag just because you've simplified certain parts of it. Or you can actually allow yourself to build a life you really love with those things and a life like the fisherman that is, is made up of what you want it to be made up of. Hmm. It's, you know, to everyone's extent um, and isn't just cramming more things into your calendars you know mm -hmm. I, you know i'm wondering right now anthony if if a lot of people listening are going oh man emily just sounds like a three with a two wing not a two with a three wing you know i, what get I mean? told that all the time anthony yes have you ever seen a kid's product and wish you'd had it as a kid <laughs> of course especially these days oh completely well i want to tell you about this company who makes engaging products for kids of all ages that I wish I'd had when I was a kid. <laughs> KiwiCo, okay. K-I-W-I-C-O, creates accessible hands-on projects for kids of all ages designed to make learning about STEAM fun. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. All right. Each crate is designed by experts and tested by kids, offering fun opportunities to learn and explore at home. Delivered monthly, each box comes with all the supplies you need for that month's project, meaning no extra runs to the store, which right now, of course, is a bonus, right? Absolutely. Kids love getting mail just for them. Oh, it's like Christmas every time the mailman comes. Mm, it's a great way to end the school year and kickstart the summer break, knowing they have a package to look forward to each month. For instance, my assistant Wendy <laughs> has two young boys, <laughs> seven and nine, and they were so excited to receive their science crate with their names on it. Oh, it included all the materials and learning resources to build a mechanical model of the sun, earth, and moon, and they designed their own constellations and made a light-up lantern. That's amazing. I want to do it. Me too. With KiwiCo's hands-on art and science projects, kids can engineer a hydraulic claw. <laughs> I just love saying it. Totally. Hydraulic claw. <laughs> totally. They can build an animation machine. Explore colorful, kid-friendly chemistry and more. This is fun. You'll get everything you need to make STEAM seriously fun. Delivered to your doorstep. And just for our Typology listeners, get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code TYPOLOGY. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo, K-I-W-I-C-O dot com, promo code TYPOLOGY. That's T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. 
You know, I'm wondering right now, Anthony, if if a lot of people listening are going, oh, man, Emily just sounds like a three with a two wing, not a two with a three wing. You know I what get I mean? told that all the time. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's possible. I don't know. But <laughs> I just want to tell people this because it's so – this is why these subtypes are so important. Yeah. So yeah. when you when you hear like the self-pres two, they're called uh, me first – so this is Claudio Naranjo who came up with these names for each of the subtypes, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes they're called me first. Uh, sometimes they're called uh, privilege. But when you get to the uh, social two, right, uh, it's actually they're called ambition yeah, or aspiration. Yeah. And so I, I always tell people, careful, don't think that yeah. twos are, are not people who have incredible drive. Yeah. Yeah. The two can be really good at working a room. Yeah, uh, in right? a different way. In a different way. In a different yeah. way. The three is walking around the room looking for admiration, mm-hmm. and the two is walking around looking for appreciation. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. My husband's also an entrepreneur and um, very successful, but he is a he is a strong three, three ring, three with a four wing. So oftentimes I'll say to a, a three, uh, "Would you rather be admired or liked?" Oh, admired. A- Admired, right? If I said to a two, would you rather uh, uh, be, uh, you know, uh, something and liked, right? Or like anything or liked. Mm. They'll always say liked. Always. <laughs> and see the difference? It's yes. a it's a different animal altogether, mm-hmm. right? But that social two, and you've got a three wing, you know, that just sort of seems to turbocharge the the two, the social <laughs> yeah. two, right? So it's like you got a double dose of the the, yes. the maybe of the aspiration uh, piece, and so now you know that twos, threes, and fours are the most image conscious numbers on the enneagram, right? Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So tell me about uh, you know all of us have masks. Yeah images that we curate to yeah. present to the world yeah. for you as a two or just you as a human being what mask do you find yourself wearing a lot of times that's not really your true self but one that you put out there in order to be well if you're yeah. a two liked um it's the perfectionist part of me mm. um also as a as a brand owner a successful brand owner, like I know how powerful that is, that the right colors, the right wording, the right models, all the things that is, is really powerful in getting across the right message. And so I would say, especially early on in motherhood, when my, especially when my, my first son was born, I can remember looking around at other women and thinking they've got it all together. Like why, why am I the only person here struggling trying to keep, dinner on the table and the laundry from overflowing this kid happy and everybody else has like they're wearing heels and their families are perfect and um it was when i kind of coined this phrase grace not perfection and it became it became my first book that one did um but but that for me is where i struggle like i i don't want to share my weakness i don't want to share the struggles at home. I don't want to share. I, I would rather the shininess be up front, mm-hmm. um, the less vulnerable piece of things, because I don't know. It just feels a lot better that for everyone to think you have it all together, you know? Yes. And, and maybe let me throw out another way of saying it. And you tell me if you relate to it. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard for twos to, uh, share with others that they too have personal needs. Yeah, I I have a friend recently. She's a she's an eight. I have a lot of eights around me. Um, she is an eight, and she actually said to me, uh, "We were during, just during a really busy season when the book was coming out and all of that." And she was like, "I'm going to bring you dinner," and I was like, "We don't." We're, we're good with dinner. I can make dinner. And she was like, I know, but you're never going to ask me for it. And you're never going to tell me you want me to pick your kids up from school. And so I'm just going to do it so that when I tell you, I need you to bake me dinner or pick my kids up from school, it doesn't feel weird. And I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> well, see, but the two oftentimes, uh, this is the pride piece. It's hard for, it's easy for them to say other people have needs. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for them to say, and so do I. Because if I have needs, it means I'm not on top of my game. 
like in my head that I haven't organized life to a point to where I can accomplish 9,000 things in a day when we're mm-hmm. in the middle of the busy season. Yes. And the pride piece also comes in there because twos tend to think that they have all the time, treasure, talent, and resources to meet everybody else's needs while at the same time disavowing their own. Oh, bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's so true. So part of the journey of the two is learning to actually identify their needs, which is not always easy for them. Yeah. And then tell people they have needs Mm -hmm. directly, not indirectly. Right. And then allow others to meet their needs without the two feeling uh, ashamed or afraid of humiliation and rejection because they have needs. I felt so weird when she brought dinner over. I, I remember just being like, thank you. Thank you. I like, we wrote a thank you note. Like with the whole, the kids signed it, the whole, the whole deal, because it just felt very weird to be on the receiving end of that. But easy for you to do it for somebody else. Oh, all the time. Like I love doing that kind of stuff. Of course I love doing that kind of thing. But when you're on the other side of it, it's like, you kind of want to blush a little bit. You know? So it's so it's so easy for twos to give and yeah. so hard for them to receive. Talk talk a little bit more about that. What does it rub up against? It's just it's like you know the awkward face emoji. It's that. It's like <laughs> 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 it's like thank you. But but then okay. But then this is me at the end of that. Like did I thank you enough? Did I, did I tell you thank you six times or seven? I just want to make sure you know how grateful we are and that like everything's good and that I washed your dishes properly and got them back to you on time. Um, I would just, I don't know, like I would rather, I would rather tough it out. Like I, I can, I can tough out a busy season. I've done it a hundred times. Um, I don't know. I don't want to put other people out. I don't want my needs to make them feel overwhelmed or my busy season to shove them into a busy day or something. Right. And, and that has to do, I think in, in part with the two's fear that, and this is a message they hear as little people. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that parents or coaches or teachers mean to, to send this message out, but twos hear that their needs um, uh, are too much. And, yeah. and they feel a little bit like, I can't, aff- if I have needs, I risk losing relationship with others. I'm going to be perceived as too needy. I'm going to be perceived as asking too much. Uh, It's much easier, therefore, for me to kind of address other people's needs Mm -hmm. and uh, dismiss my own. Yeah. Or be super self-sufficient. Like, I'm good. I don't, I'm fine. Yes. I think what, I think some of the danger in that too is that maybe there are relationships in your life where as a two, they get the brunt of your needs. Like, husband, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling everyone else I need X, Y, Z, but like, here's your laundry list of things I need you to around the house. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell other people what I need, but here. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, uh, twos can actually, perhaps in close relationships, bottom out and they can, it, there, there comes a sort of a period of resentment. And the resentment is, I have done so much for you all. It's time for you guys to pony up. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, take care of some stuff, but they, because that image consciousness outside of that realm, they don't tend to do it. You know, it's, it's a whole different public presentation, right? Of, of their person. I, um, we moved about three years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, back to our hometown and immediately just fell into a beautiful friend group. Um, our kids go to a great school. Like we've just found our people and I'm in a book club with some other moms. And I, I told them all recently when we were going through that busy season, like they were helping pick up my kids. They were bringing dinners over. And I said to them, I've never had friends like you. Mm. And my friend who's eight, she was like, that's cause you've never let people in. Like you let us in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Great shooter. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have a few eights around. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Spe- speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. They're not, a, they're not afraid to do it either. <laughs> they're not. My dad's an eight and we're really close. And then my best friend's an eight. So yeah. Wonderful. Love that. So the, the Enneagram is not diagnostic as much uh, as it is prescriptive. In other words, it's not just designed to you know, for people to hear about their type and all the traits and characteristics of it and then walk away saying, oh, that's just who I am. 
Yeah. Right. The job is to face the the fact that there is there are dark, unhealthy dimensions to each of these types. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody! One of the lessons I've learned over the years is that not everybody benefits from a traditional fifty-minute counseling session, and this is why some people can go to couples therapy or personal counseling for a long time and never really get anywhere. This is why I'm such a believer of intensive counseling and my friends at Restoring the Soul in Colorado, created by my longtime friend Michael Cusick to help couples or individuals experience deep change in half-day blocks over one or two weeks. Now listen, if you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to experience breakthrough, you need to get in touch with my friend Michael and his extraordinary team of counselors at Restoring the Soul. If you're looking to get out of the rut you're in but can't wait months or years, call Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation with Michael's staff. Call 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can help you. As a special bonus, just for Typology listeners, make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com slash typology to download their PDF called Five Ways Unaddressed Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationships. The job is to face the the fact that there is there are dark unhealthy dimensions to each of these types mm-hmm. and, and I'm curious to know if you're using the Enneagram as a tool for personal and spiritual transformation and if so how yeah I mean I think it's helped me kind of like I mentioned earlier it know, knowing the kind of descriptors of a two like that's one thing it's made me go like oh, okay yeah like that's definitely me the three wing makes sense cool um but then knowing who i am at my worst um knowing that i can be resentful and it's kind of helped me like in those moments when i'm not my best be like careful like this Mm. is this is something that you tend to do and so let's back up like the scorekeeping part that's when i start to do that i know i just need to like i gotta need a minute because it's it's just it doesn't mean that Brian and I are terrible together. It means that I'm a two and he's a three and we're buttoned up against each other with um, some of our not so great qualities. So I think that's been really helpful, but it's also like really helped me professionally. Um, um, I'm CEO of our company. We have eight uh, additional teammates. They're all women. We all work remotely. And so we're not in an office together all day, every day. Most of our communication takes place via a group text and um, email. And a lot of things can be lost in that. Um, We do Zoom sessions and things like that, but a lot of like day long group text messaging. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me knowing each person's type and knowing their best, you know, kind of like knowing their type helps me make sure they're in the right positions mm. and that we're teaming people up in really beautiful ways. And if something starts to go awry, like just kind of understanding what could be happening that I'm not seeing because we're not face to face, that for me has been really helpful. Mm. Yeah, that's maybe another term for that would be self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, for right. sure. The we've ability. Got, go ahead. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of twos, uh, a, a two, like two, one or two ones a couple of threes, which was really interesting. Like our chief operating officer and our art director are two beautiful humans. I mean, just amazing women, but they are very opposite. Like our art director is total type B, artistic, like just thinks differently. And our chief operating officer is logistical and very straightforward and that kind of thinker. And to know that they're both threes, I was like, wait, you guys are so different. How? Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I'm starting to see like, this makes sense. It, it doesn't, it, it does, you're, you can be different people and be the same type. And it's almost like their ambition is, is similar and the way they, mm-hmm. they approach projects, even though they have different roles is similar. So yeah, I just think that that part has been really cool. And one of the things that can help people is when you know subtypes, it mm. does partially explain why two people of the same type can present so differently. 
Oh, okay. So if one's a social three and the other one is a self-preservation three or a one-to-one three, which is the yeah. these other categories, um, it, it, it does help explain, oh, that's why you're okay. both threes but seem to operate so differently in the world, right? Yeah. But the unconscious motivation of the need to succeed, to appear successful, and to avoid failure at all costs is, is true to both. Yep. I can see that for sure. But, but how it works itself out… It, to the uh, to the world around them is is very very different, right? right. I, I think the transformational journey for for twos and as they begin to work on themselves, like would be um, giving up this addiction to helping others, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I I got to learn how to say no. Yeah, I, I have to learn that I have my own needs and I have to own those needs. I got to figure out what they are, right? And mm-hmm. I have to not be afraid to ask for those needs to to get met and you know they have to be careful about unwanted helping (laughs) you know like some people are like you know i really didn't need you to drop off two weeks worth of food you know what i mean like (laughs) you you know (laughs) this is not a refugee camp you know what i'm saying like we're we're doing okay here right um i think that um what you were saying is really important move away from having to keep score Mm-hmm. That's a big one for twos because what okay, they're okay. doing is they're kind of monitoring. Are you equaling? Are you helping me in a manner that's equal to how much I'm helping you? And when right. you when the score gets lopsided, I start to get resentful. Resentful, yeah. Right. So that's a big journey for for twos, yeah. and I think one of the things, Anthony, that's important about twos. I, I don't know if you feel this, Emily, but sometimes they get this sort of this panic feeling, like I'm not doing enough for others. <laughs> or, or, or have I done enough to be liked, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and they have to, so when you get that feeling of panic and anxiety, uh, is to learn to, like you were saying, to kind of back off, mm-hmm. like to push in the clutch, mm-hmm. yeah. get Pause. your foot off the gas, put, push in the clutch and, and kind of take the car out, out of drive. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a great time to ask, what are my needs right now? What do I need? Mm-hmm. And what am I putting out of that and putting on other people? My, mm-hmm. I, I do that a lot with my kids. Um, like, am I, am I ruining you? Or am I doing the right things? Am I reading enough bedtime stories? I mean, like all the little things. I, I, it's almost like I have a to-do list in my head. And I'm like, did I check off all the things? Am I, am I doing all the right things that I think I should be doing with them? And I also think, I don't know if this is a two thing or what, but I can sometimes have this level of expectation of how things are supposed to go. Mm. Um, maybe it's the perfectionist part of me, but how things are supposed to go. And if it's not going like that, I get really worried that it's me. Like I'm not mm. helping in the right ways. I'm not encouraging in the right ways. Um, or I'm missing something. Cause I'm too busy. Mm. And maybe that is just this idea that I'm not helping enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I'm not me. I'm not I'm right now in this situation. I'm not able to meet the needs of others in a, in a way that I think is, you know, uh, meeting my standards. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. falling short. You know, there's this uh, wonderful, famous, famous uh, psychologist. His name was Winnicott. And Winnicott talks about this idea of the good enough mother. Mm. Wow. And the good enough father. And look at you. You're like, your face just kind of. And I'm like, what is it? Tell me. (laughs) Well, it it is as it sounds, right? It's like um, when you're evaluating your performance as a mother or a father, or or I guess a friend or a brother or sister, right? It's like uh, there's a moment where you have to go, oh, I ain't perfect, but I'm a good enough mother. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm a good enough friend. I'm a good enough father. And that sort of takes this heat of you know i have to be this perfect father this perfect mother this perfect friend it takes the heat off it's like you know what all i have to do is be a good enough mother and my kids are going to be okay it's like that quote good is better than perfect Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's so true yeah all right tell folks why uh and i want you to be just i want you to be uh, unashamed in your answer to this question okay (laughs) tell me why people ought to read your book your new book? Um, it's a good question. I've been asked a lot of questions about this book, but not that one. I fully believe that what we have done with Simplified in building a brand, a multi-million dollar brand out of absolutely nothing is really special. I think that what we're 
the way we're running our company is very different than the way other companies are run. And I'm really <coughs> proud of that. And so I think that there's a lot that we've learned and been able to share in that book that's really special. But I think for me, one of the most transformational pieces of the book is the stories from the other women in it. Um, I have a friend who has two terminally ill boys and she is thriving and her family is doing amazing. And the way that she explains how that works for them and how they do hard things which is the kind of the title of that chapter um, is it will just blow your mind. And mm-hmm. if you are looking for strength to pull from other people or mm-hmm. like really tactical lessons from other women who are doing some cool stuff, whether it be building a company or cultivating a healthy family or whatever that is, um, I think you'll find it in this book. And, and to be clear, the book is really targeted toward women, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want everybody to know that that's the, the, the target audience of this, yeah. remark, <laughs> this remarkable book, Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life That You Love. It just came out in yeah. March of 2021. So I know that you're in the middle of book marketing madness. And you know I, it. <laughs> you, I, I am one stop on a podcast tour. I know that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling well. And people can learn about Emily at Emily Lay. That's L-E-Y dot com. Yes. Uh, on Facebook, Emily Lay. And uh, on Instagram, at Simplified. And at, at Emily Lay, L-E-Y again. Got it. Em- Emily, anything else you want folks to know about what's happening? Well, we just started our very own podcast. Um, so oh, cool. A new one. It's called The Simplified Podcast. It's been out for about... 10 weeks now. Um, and it's really bite-sized, um, simple. We talk about simplified parenting and simplified, um, business and just all sorts of fun stuff. So you can find us at all the podcast places. Awesome. And one more thing on your planners, we need to make note that you have teacher planners and you have wedding planners. So for all those weddings that are coming up this summer, I know. Yeah. As the world as the world starts to change. That's right. <laughs> I know today man, I went out and I, I gave a I first of all I gave one of my first live talks this morning. Oh wow. Um, to a group of uh, a small group of of people um in town for a conference. I tell you it was like water on a plant, mm. man. I just I mean, that's uh, amazing. I'm such a face-to-face person yeah. and to have yeah. the interaction and see the eyes and the faces of people connecting with what you're saying and what you're doing. Gosh, what a gift that is again. What Gosh. a gift. So hugs. Cool. Remember hugs? Those were fun. Oh, and I'm a four. So, you know, hugger. I am a hugger. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a hugger too. <laughs> I'm, yes, you are. <laughs> I need hugs. Yeah, if you're a two. That's for sure, man. That's, yeah. that's part of your love language. Well, Emily, again, thanks for being on Typology. We loved having you. Hope you'll come back. Thank you. Of course, uh, Typology listeners, remember these words. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time.